Hey, so how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. That was a um, weird face. Yeah, sorry. Uh, according to the software that we're using, I was overblowing my mic, and I just wanted to correct oh, that. Gotcha. Yeah, we have new software. New software. We, is. Have, we have new everything. That's what I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. here at the top. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are subscribed to our website, we uh, have a new website. And many of you got like email blast after email blast after email blast the other night as I was putting everything together. I have been working on this since probably mid-December. Mm-hmm. So I could, no, probably early December. So I could roll it out last week and I love it so much. Yay. However, I love it too. It looks amazing. Thank you. It it is definitely no longer just a place to like catch our episodes, which is where, like what it originally was. Mm -hmm. And now like there's a place for us to actually blog and write. So like, I think that Mm -hmm. that is something that I would like to work on in the future. Ooh, me too. That sounds like fun. Um, and also, you know, I worked really hard to um, increase our search engine optimization. Um, and I did so well that we just got an email asking if we'd like to purchase fake IDs. So, Aaron, would you like to go half Z's on an ID with me? Only if it can say that I'm 22 absolutely why what else would we say surely not that we're older no and if my name can be mclovin that's the only answer (laughs) yep well so i just want to say like we kind of dropped off for last week for like with no warning and no explanation and we're sorry life life got a little um out of control but we reined yes. ourselves back in now. <laughs> there was hospitalizations, uh, surgeries. There were all kinds of things going on. My boss was, and then on top of it all, my freaking boss was on vacation. And so all day long at work, it was just phone call after phone call after email after phone call after phone call after meeting. And I was like, when am I supposed to do anything? Like breathe. Oh, I feel that. Um, I, well, I'm not at liberty to discuss the things that happen in our lives here, but we had big things going on here as well. And so, yeah, just we had a plan. We both had like finished our notes and then yeah. you decided you had to go to the vet or whatever. And I decided I had to take care of our family business. And yeah. um, apparently that meant that we forgot to you know, tell our listeners that we were disappearing yeah well and i don't like okay the news on your end i won't i will say is good so don't worry it's it's good it was good stuff um the news on my end is good too my cat survived her mystery illness aka her fever of unknown origin which is literally the diagnosis they gave me after i spent close to eleven hundred dollars i mean i don't I don't see what you're complaining about here. I love spending $1,100 for the vet to tell me that they don't know why my dog was sick. And also congratulations. He's better, but I didn't do anything to fix him. You're welcome. You know, and I speak from a place 
that I, A, never thought I would get to in that I am able to cover these expenses. I was able to give them a hefty down payment and spread the rest of the payments over the next three months. I was able to do that. That also means that I'm not able to like buy any extras or um, and by extras, I mean like extra things I like at the grocery store. <laughs> uh, we're living lean right now, but I was able to take care of it. It did have some lovely, lovely people from a other podcast group that I'm in um, send me some Venmos and um, some extra love. And I was very lucky for that. So um, thankfully, we're in a good place and she's fine. Juniper, she's back to normal. She's just now the most expensive cat on earth. Well, there you go. <laughs> Does it surprise you at all that you would have the most high maintenance cat? Oh God, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there were a few moments there where I was like, what the fuck am I going to do without this cat? <laughs> right. I was really scared. Uh, but everything's good now. Okay. And like literally, so, the, I just want to say I'm sorry. The community no, no, within like podcasting and um, podcasting groups and all that kind of stuff is incredible. Oh, like 100%. I posted something about my cat being in the emergency hospital and like freaking out about what what was wrong with her, how much the tests were going to cost, all that stuff, and people were like, "Oh, well, I'm just going to Venmo you," and I was like why and you know me i'm really weird about accepting things from people so it took me a while right. but um yeah and it's not like it was a lot of money it was like 150 dollars. but you know what it helped so i appreciate that right no, more than 100%. people will ever know and hopefully someday someone else will have a problem and you know i'll be able to help take care of them and i just love how this community kind of takes care of each other it's great makes me 100 percent um Speaking of the podcasting community, um, in a not nearly as endearing or beautiful way, um, <laughs> you know, I have been really working out, like really working to network and to reach out to other podcasts and, uh, and connect and build our own kind of, um, community of podcasts. And, um, so last week, one of the members of a, or a couple weeks ago now, one of the members of one of the communities that I'm in invited me and um, another guy to guest star on his podcast called Sammy's Saga. So um, if y'all are interested, you should look it up. It's a it's a fairly new podcast. The host is really young. He's like 18, which I didn't know until we started recording. Aww. And then I was like, so you're like a freshman in college? And he was like, I will be in four months. And I was like, well then, sir, as your father, I think I need to tell you to go to sleep. Like, <laughs> I, I am a teacher and I am not allowed to say the words that I would normally say on a podcast in front of you. <laughs> what I love is that since he's so young, I'm going to tell this story. Um, is that on the night you were supposed to podcast, I randomly get a message from you at like midnight. And uh-huh. you're like, I have to be on a podcast in 15 minutes. And I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes so to show why we need IDs that say we're 22. <laughs> 
we started recording at 10 o'clock our time which you and i are wrapping up by 10 o'clock our time mm-hmm. um, yeah so he like i was like i don't know how i'm gonna make it so it is a an improv podcast it's very like who's line inspired um oh, the, I love that. the guy that Oh yeah, it was so much fun. The guy that he partnered me with is actually no, neither of us, like none of us knew this going into it, but he's actually one of my fraternity brothers, and mm-hmm. um, he actually. So I went to school with a guy named James, who then transferred to UT Arlington, where he went mm-hmm. to school with this guy. So then we had mutual friends, but we didn't know that until after we were done recording. So it's just like a small world situation. Um, it the world gets smaller and smaller i'm telling you it does but we had so much fun and i had to i'll tell everyone so uh, i had to text you today because the episode dropped today so as y'all are listening to Mm -hmm. it it's already live um like i made it very clear that i'm a co-host that i'm one half of lifetime sentence that like whatever and everything that i said like you know my my partner aaron and i and so in the intro and in the show notes it's like paul runs lifetime sentence and i was like i don't run really very much of anything but like i for sure need to text aaron and tell her that i am not trying to cut her out of this show (laughs) y'all he texts me and i was like oh cool okay like (laughs) i don't care um man oh i want to i was gonna say um if you want to hear about the good things to go listen to on tiktok go subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash lifetime sentence because we talked about black history month and some good people to follow on tiktok but i just want to share my favorite tiktok from this weekend which I found it, I almost stitched it and I didn't, or duetted it, I mean, and I didn't. Um, and then Lydia sent it to our chat. And it's the two sweet summer children who take sparkling water, vodka, and lime juice and call it blackout water. And I'm uh-huh. like, babies. <laughs> Babies, that's called a vodka soda. And it's been around for a while now. It's been it's been around since before we needed fake IDs. Yeah. Um first of all, the video is hilarious. It made me die laughing because they were so like into themselves, but also no shade. I would I would kill someone for either of their abs, so right. those girls are in shape so whatever they're doing it's working keep drinking your vodka sodas ladies (laughs) yes yes um i think you mean blackout water blackout Um, water (laughs) listen you know what the, the, the funniest part of it was i watched the video and i was like you know what i'm so glad this isn't one of my girls i'm just proud i'm proud i'm proud of them (laughs) so we mentioned at the close of our last episode that we were going to be more vocal about our reading lives because you and i are both readers so i thought i would ask before we get into this what are you reading right now i'm reading like 11 books right now (laughs) because i have adhd um i am reading um girl a 
which was my book of the month pick. Um, It is really interesting so far. I'm also reading Such a Fun Age, which is my audio book that I'm listening to right now. Um, which is a great story. Um, it's about a woman, a woman who's a nanny and she encounters like a racially charged situation, um, at the beginning of the book. And then it's like everything that happens after that. Um, and then, mm -hmm, and then I'm reading, um, a book, it's an, an arc called books promiscuously read and I just started it, but it's basically so far like a love story to reading and I am into it. It's really good. Well, that sounds really good. Let me know how, what you think of that one. And then I also just got transcendent kingdom. I haven't started it yet, but I've heard amazing things about it and I can't wait to start it. What about so you? What are you I, reading? Sorry, I just totally like looked into another universe and then had to pull myself back out. Um, I am reading on audiobook. I'm reading um, Crazy Rich Asians, which mm-hmm. um, has the funniest prologue of any book I have ever read in my entire yes, life. Yes, it does. And I, I it just is. It's hope, a funny prologue. I hope that it continues to be this funny. I'm enjoying it uh, immensely. Um, and then my library's book club, which tomorrow is the meeting. So I don't think I'm going to be finished because I'm only 11% of the way through is, um, but tomorrow's library day at school, which means I only teach half of my classes. And then for the other half, cause my classes are two hours, two hours long, but every mm-hmm. other Tuesday I only teach for one hour and then the librarian takes them for an hour. So that means I get nice. three uninterrupted hours of reading tomorrow. I mean, yeah, I'm actually super and- pumped. I'm actually super pumped that we started recording an hour early tonight. So that means I'm going to get to read before I go to bed. <laughs> um, anyway, but the pick is called um, the book of lost names. And Ooh. it is, um, it's about the Nazi occupation in France. Um, mm-hmm. The main character is um, she is French born but her parents are polish she is jewish um and her father has been taken away by the um you know has been hauled off but he had told her yes thank you by the gestapo um so he had told her that if anything should happen that she should go to this man who would create illegal documents for her and so she is going to get these documents made for she and her mom um and it seems that she is responsible for getting illegal documents made for lots of people um nice. and that it's going to be the story of her saving lots of lives and so i'm really excited for that and then i i just realized i didn't oh. i ahead. just realized i didn't give a description for girl a and i just real quick it's about um uh, it seems like because i'm in the very beginning it seems like it's a family of children that were rescued from an abusive situation. And then um, the last remaining parent dies and the, uh, they leave the house that the, these kids grew up in that the main character calls the house of horrors um, to her. They leave it to her. And so she has to go seek out all of her siblings that have all kind of lost touch to figure out what to do with this house that they have inherited. Oh yeah, no, I would not enjoy this book. That's too much for me. Yeah, I I will. It seems like it's a religiousy kind of 
um, abusive situation, almost culty. That's right up my alley. So, right. Um, so I opened my mailbox today and, um, Mm -hmm. because of my, um, because of my book blog, which I mentioned on Patreon and I'll mention here, pluckyreader.com. And mostly I'm pushing it because next year that is going to be one of the things that I'm focusing my energies into since I am not teaching. Um, but there are a couple of um, PR firms and a couple of publishers that send me books to review. Um, and normally they give me a heads up, but this one, they did not give me a heads up. So I just opened the envelope today and this popped out, which is a gorgeous cover, but I was not prepared for a naked woman Maybe to be in an to envelope. The left, to my left. Thank you. Oh, it's called. It is the a body is not That's an apology. a fantastic cover. Um, it's the power of radical self-love and the cover, like the jacket, um, review is Brene Brown. So like, yeah, we can get on board with this. She says this Look, book. I love me some Brene Brown. Right. And she doesn't review books unless she like mm-hmm. absolutely gets behind them. So she says this book took my breath away. It's an unexpected and urgent embrace of truth. So I think I'm going to enjoy this. Um, and then and you're going to send it to me. Yeah, 100%. But it was just really funny. Like, they didn't give me a heads up so that I just pull out this, like, naked woman out of my envelope. Like, so so I would have just liked a heads up. At least she didn't order something from Wayfair and find a naked woman. (laughs) That's not funny, but hilarious. We're 17 minutes in. Maybe we should introduce this podcast. This is Lifetime Sentence, and I'm Paul. And I'm Erin, and boy, do I have a fucking story for you. I cannot wait, especially because it's These in our home country. These stories are my favorite. Hmm? It's from I what? I said it's in our home country. It is. These, spoiler alert, faking your own death stories are my favorite. I love them. I think they're so fascinating. If you haven't read the book, Playing Dead. Um, it's really, really, really good. It's about um, it's about the world of death fraud, and it's so inter- it's a nonfiction book. It's really, really interesting. Okay, so the book or the book. Now you got me on books. The movie this week was called The Familiar Stranger slash My Husband's Double Life. Depends on which version you get they're the same movie um, it stars margaret collin as elizabeth slash peachy you might know her from independence day now and again unfaithful three men and a baby but me i know her as eleanor waldorf from gossip girl I have seen everything you just listed, and I would like one gold star, please. You, you, you are granted one gold star. Yes. Um, <laughs> it also stars J. O. Sanders. He plays Pat. He was in The Day After Tomorrow, Kiss the Girls, um, Edge of Darkness, and Revolutionary Road. Okay, I've seen zero of those, so you might have to take my gold star back. No, you still get a gold star. Uh, Will Estes, he plays older Ted. 
Um, he was in U571 and The Dark Knight Rises. And he's like a main character in Blue Bloods now, if you've ever seen that with Tom Selleck. Okay, he sounds really familiar. Yes, I know exactly who he is. I had to look at his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a special guest appearance from a little baby Michael Cera. He plays oh. he plays baby Ted. <laughs> You'll know him as from Juno, Superbad, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and every other Seth Rogen movie he's ever been in. <laughs> There's one of my favorite memes of all time is the picture like screenshots of him in every film that says Michael Sarah looks like he just wandered onto a movie. Wandered onto a set. (laughs) And didn't realize he was supposed to be acting and nobody stopped him. Yeah. (laughs) So it opens with two kids playing by a river and walking through the woods. They're searching for their dad who finally jumps out of the woods and scares them. Their mom comes up with um, with the dog, and they all have a big family hug pile, which is why you how you know this movie is going to be fucked up, right? Please tell me Kumbaya was playing, or just like, just like weird like pad synth with like a music box. I mean, no, but they were rolling around in a pile of leaves. Come on. Oh man, we uh, leaves are taboo after the leaf peeping incident that sparked the debate. <laughs> leaf peeping. <laughs> okay. Um. Later, the dad takes the kids fishing, and then some friends come to take the boys hiking so that mom and dad can have some alone time. And Ooh. oh. I guess this was their vacation ha- cabin because they come home. Um, the wife is getting ready to go to the club. And I mean, the country club, not the uh, club club. <laughs> um, she did not need a fake ID. And her husband, Patrick or Pat comes home, um, charging in the door, screaming about finding her father's gun and says he's resigned from his job because they're saying he took money and they want to indict him. And I was like, well, you skipped several steps between they say I took money and they're going to indict me. Right. (laughs) Um, Dad says that if they're going to indict him, there must be proof. Oh, oh, so um, they call his parents. They call Pat's parents. And his mom says it's all, you know, nonsense. And then his dad's like, well, if they're going to indict you, they must have proof. And we flash forward to the trial. And I just wrote here, he only stole $25,000? Right. This whole thing is because he stole $25,000. Which I know in like Paul and Aaron money is a lot of money, but in embezzlement, that's not a whole lot of money. I personally know someone that embezzled more money. Yes, yes. I do too. (laughs) I do too. Ding. Okay. Um, They let Patrick serve his sentence on the weekend and then he'll just have probation. And I don't understand why he's so despondent about this. He goes to jail on the weekend and then he gets to spend the week at home. He is used to a particular lifestyle. One in which he can go to the country club on Saturdays. 
He promises his wife, Peachy, that he'll be out and he'll be the best husband and father ever and they'll get back on their feet together. And so we flash back to four months earlier. Um, They're at a party and a lady mentions to Peachy that a check for Girl Scout cookies bounced. Do you know how much a NSF check costs? I do not, but I know how much a box of Girl Scout cookies costs and that's the problem. Yeah, so listen, it's like at least 25 bucks from your bank. And then whatever the organization that you wrote the check to charges you. And that's what I'm saying. In relation to Girl Scout cookies, don't write a hot check. That's wild. Okay, Um, but on your definitive list of Girl Scout cookies, what are your top three flavors? Thin mint s'mores, and that's it. Those are the only ones I eat. Oh, no, I like the lemon ones. Thin mints, tagalongs, and I like the shortbread ones because I like to make um, crust for cheesecake with them. Oh. They're trefoils or whatever. That's an interesting idea. It is Girl Scout cookie time. But pro tip, buy the s'mores cookies and microwave them for like 10 seconds. And then oh, thank I'm- you later. I'm actually protesting Girl Scout cookies this year. I forgot to tell everybody except for Sarah. There was a what? big expose that came out, maybe New York Times, I don't remember now, that they were using um, not responsibly sourced palm oil in their products. Um, and so that is like contributing to lots of deforestation of the rainforest as per this article which um, I did not verify its truth. So in this moment, I could just be talking all kinds of shit about the Girl Scouts. So forgive me, Girl Scouts, if I have sinned, but that was the last I'd read. Um, And as somebody who makes soap and uses palm oil and worked really hard to find a responsibly sourced palm supplier, um, I I had a lot of issues with that because it, it really does contribute to a lot of issues there you know you can die on that hill and that means more thin mints for me moving on yeah that's fine um <laughs> so pg asked him okay. why he bounced associated press oh, oh here's God. the rest of that sorry associated press child labor in palm oil industry tied to girl scout cookies that was the rest of it i knew that i was mad about more than just deforestation um so not only was it irresponsibly sourced, it's the child labor with it. I mean, literally little girls selling cookies is child labor. So yeah, but listen, we call that as a former 4-H member, we call that character building. Maybe they call the palm oil industry character building. I think we're going way Did down. Did you ever think fast. about that? No. <laughs> Because you're selfish and you just want all the palm oil for your soap. But I want it for my fucking Thin Mints. Thanks. Epilogsoaps.com. That is www.epilogsoaps.com. <laughs> Continue. I'm so sorry. Bounce check, Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. So PG asked him why he would bounce a check for 18 fucking dollars. Um and asks him if they're like in financial trouble and he's like no of course not um so one night pat doesn't come home and peachy calls pat's father and they go out searching for him in the rain it's all very dramatic 
And Pat's father is like, well, I'm not leaving y'all here by yourself in this big old gigantic safe house. Y'all come stay with us because you're just a fragile woman. And who knows what could happen to you? I hate when I'm left in my mansion by myself and I'm fragile. It's the worst. Mm. Um, the next morning, Pat's father brings her a letter from Pat. It's a suicide note. Wait, you said the dad delivered this? Yes. Can you imagine being the bearer of that bad news? I mean, it's really just a note. It's not to me. To me, it doesn't like denotate suicide, but I guess to everyone else it did. So, okay. um, (laughs) The police then find his car at the bus station and they're like, we'll do the best we can to find him. And then two weeks later, he's still missing. So to me, like, okay, he leaves this note, like, I'll always love you and the kids and blah, 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 blah. And like, move on without me. Da, da, da. To me, like, he took off. Right. That sounds like just leaving. And then they find his, I mean, of course, they find his um, car at, like, the bus station. Like, he took off. So, PG's finding out about all the unpaid bills they have and blaming herself. I I can't. Um... Meanwhile, at a quote-unquote transient, their word, not mine, hotel, the police find a single photo of the family and nothing else. They interview a homeless man who says he saw someone jump off a bridge, and then they're like, well, that was him. Done. We'll never Case find closed. his body. Good work, boys. <laughs> yep. Oh, and if you that's think that's that I'm going to come back and tell you some... If you think I'm going to come back and give you some definitive evidence that maybe he did uh, die by suicide, um, you're wrong. That is that. <laughs> that that was the evidence that they used to say he died by suicide. Listen, some guy said he saw something, so we're done. Mm. We done did it. Um, so Peachy cries all day, and then she goes up to the boys' treehouse to tell them the news. Um, and I, like, the kids are, like, crying, and I just wrote, this guy is a fucking monster. He is a deplorable human being, and I hate him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so since the father has died, they have to move into a small apartment, and they have to give away their dog, I know. Oh, and one of the articles I read posts her like diary entry about giving the dog away. And I just can't. This man is a monster. He is a monster. I hate him. Okay. Um, Her sister offers them some money and Pat's parents do as well, but she says no. Um, she goes to find a job and she gives like a very impassioned speech for a job at the chamber of commerce that she is not at all qualified for. And this works for her. She, they give her the job and I mean, good for you, girl, get it because your ex or your dead husband's a piece of shit. That's for sure. Um, the family goes to see Pat's parents. Um, his mom tells peachy that her cancer is back. And that she and her husband have decided that she's not going to do another round of chemo. 
So life goes on and things get stressful because being a single mom is hard. Um, The boys are sullen and cranky. Um, Peachy has to work all the time and they're all just like super stressed out. Pat's mother passes away from cancer. Um, During the burial, baby Michael Sarah walks away from and then walks away from the graveyard and then they can't find him for like 24 hours. Um, When they get home, Peachy, like before they find him, Peachy finds Pat's suicide letter on um, baby Michael Sarah's desk. So like the idea is like he he read it and like ran away. So the police go out and search for him. And the next morning, he just like walks in like a grown ass adult and is like, oh, my God, you called the police. What's the big deal? (laughs) We've all done it. And I'm like, sir, you are 10. (laughs) Um, He um, so she gives him a lecture about how they are all that they have, you know, in the world. And she like needs to know where he is. And we flash forward to 10 years later. Peachy still works at the Chamber of Commerce. She's now the president of the Chamber of Commerce. She leaves work early one day because the younger kid, Chris, is going away to college. When she pulls into her very nice house that she now has, um, baby Michael Sierra has grown up into a different man and is helping his brother pack up the truck. Um so they, you know, leave and I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't grown up Michael Sarah. Well, you know, like, I mean, uh, I know how time. this works, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean I can't be disappointed. Um, so she has this like really beautiful, nice new home now. Um, she goes out on a date and gushes about her kids and how amazing they are. Um, the next morning. Oh, and the guy like that she's on a date with is like, please like come visit me where I live in, in Santa Fe. He's like, please come down like for a visit. So it seems like they've been seeing each other for a while. Um, okay. The next morning she walks him out and they thank each other, which I was like, okay. Um, okay. Oh, like coyote ugly. Yeah. But they're like laughing and happy and, and I'm happy for her. Like, I mean, good for her until... She checks the mail and has a letter from the Social Security Administration saying she owes them $58,000 because the person they were drawing benefits on is not, in fact, dead. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to need you to back that up. So she goes to her old boss from the Chamber of Commerce, who now I think is like the mayor or something. Um, And she's like, well, it has to be someone who assumed his number. It has to be a clerical error. This is no big deal. And then she's like, um, and, you know, Elizabeth slash PG is like, okay, like, okay. And the girl that grabs her hand and she's like, you know that this is not your husband, right? And she's like, yeah, I know. It's just, it's just weird. Like, it feels weird. So, Um, and the lady's like, okay, well, I'll make a call. And so she makes a call to the social security guy and the guy tells Peachy that he can't give her any more information. He's like, cool. I, I can't help you. Um, I'm sorry. That's not the right answer. Yeah. Um, she storms out, but then marches back in and tells him that she's not going to live through this again. And she deserves an answer. She's like, my kids and I have been through fucking hell and we are not doing this again. 
So he's like, um, ma'am, why don't you have a seat and I'll go get you some water. And he like kind of pushes a file over and she's like, I don't want water. Like, I want to know what's going on. And he's like, ma'am, sit down. And he like pushes the file in front of her. He's like, I'm going to go get you some water. And then he leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she goes to the file and finds a letter basically saying that Pat is alive and still up to his old tricks because there's a warrant out for his arrest somewhere. Um, So she calls the driver's license office and gets his address, which is insane. Yeah. It is insane that this man has been, quote unquote, dead. And you can just call the driver's license number and be like, oh, here's a social security number. And they're like, oh, here's that person's address. I can't. I keep thinking, like, you can't do that anymore, but this is a fairly recent case. Like, So Peachy gets to Sleuthin, and her friends help her. No, like, I think you could, like, back when this happened. This was, like, the 90s. Right. Right. Yeah. I I don't think you can anymore. Although, with the invention of the internet, I feel, with the invention of the internet, like, to what it is today, I feel like it would be so much harder to do this. So actually the internet is the way she could do it. She actually paid like for one of those driver's license search websites. Oh no, no. That's what I mean. I feel like it'd be so much harder to actually fake your own death now. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. you, you leave a digital trail wherever you go. You're on Not camera. You like parlor.com. <laughs> also, I'm not oh, no, getting someone, a vaccination. Someone archived Parlor before they deleted it. So, <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um. So she gets to sleuth in, and it turns out Pat's original judgment from her, like, from the case that she, before he uh, died by suicide, was paid off, quote unquote, anonymously. She also finds that he's living under the name Tim Kingsbury and has been living quite the life working for a charity and being voted man of the year. Delightful. She calls his number and then hangs up on him. This guy writes columns about himself, which is so narcissistic. It's absolutely insane. He writes yeah. newspaper columns about himself. Um, her sister is convinced it has to be someone else, but Peachy is like, I have to go out there. I just have to know. And in this movie, they find him in like Washington or something. In the real case, I know it was Galveston. No, it was Maine yes. in this movie. And it was Galveston in real life. Because Texas. What a funny um, switch. Like, I can I can see why they made that switch. But, like, what a funny switch. Yeah. So, Peachy and her sister get into a fight, and her sister storms out. Um, later, the boys come over for dinner, and her boyfriend calls. Um, and she kind of begs him off, and she's like, look, yeah, we'll talk about the trip later, blah, 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 blah. And so she's, like, she gets off the phone And she's like, hey, I'm going away for a few days. And they're like, oh, are you finally going on a trip with Bill? Like your boyfriend that you've had for a million years and like will not go visit in New Mexico because you're weird. (laughs) And she says no. Um, She tells them 
Oh, no. She, she's just like, no, stop being nosy. And so she goes to Maine and goes to the county clerk's office. She finds the court case that's from now, basically saying he forged a birth certificate. Someone found out and pressed charges, which is why he started to have to have to use his old social security number again. She goes and finds his probation officer and she tells him the story of what really happened. And he's like, basically Pat told him that he moved there to get a clean slate after he told everyone he paid child support to a family in Ohio who wanted nothing to do with him. Oh, classy. Okay, great. This guy's a fucking dirtbag. I hate him. Um, he later is like, Hey, just so you know, Tim Kingsbury is a total legend around here. People love him. And I'm like, well, too bad. He's a fucking twat waffle. The way he said, like the, the way you describe this scene, I picture it's like a frat house though, that he's like the president of Kappa Mu U and like everybody just worships the beer bong he drinks out of. Basically. No, like the freaking local lore about this man is amazing. Um, But you know. <clears throat> so Peachy does what anyone would do. She goes and takes photos of him making out with his new girlfriend in his driveway. <laughs> Perfect. They go to some country club and um, Peachy sneaks in. And listens to him give a speech about all the wonderful things he's done and how how proud he is of his past, present, and future. And I want to run this guy over with my car. <laughs> um, I, all of that is canceled. The whole speech. So he excuses himself after, like, from the party and goes into the restroom. And Peachy just follows him. And confronts him. Perfect. And he tells her, quote, I always knew this would happen someday. I just never thought you would be the one to find me. Who did he think? And then he. I just want to know who he thought was going to find him. Like, who did he think was going to care enough? Yeah. Then he does that thing that old boyfriends do. When I like they decimate your entire life and then you run into them or something, you're like, oh my god, how are you? You look great. Yeah. Is that new hair? Are you happy? Everything good? You good? Yeah. He's like, um the worst. He's like, it's so good to see you. And I just can't like I'm gonna kill this guy. I hate him. Um and she's like, uh, BT dubs, I need $58,000. Um, he's like, you know, leaving was the best thing I could have ever done for you and the family. And she's like, no, no, leaving was the best thing you could do for your own damn self. Good, get it. And like, I hate that when people are like, oh, well, I did what was best for you. And I'm like, who the fuck are you to tell me what's best for me? Fuck you. Listen, it's not you. It's me. I, 
I just like don't be you were not self-sacrificial <laughs> um so he's like what do you want from me and she's like I just want you to pay the money to social security and I'll she leave you alone I won't she She's like, you owe $65,000 to Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You Payable owe $76,000. Like, I've already paid it, so you just have to pay $113,000. Did I say $146,000? I've already paid it, so you just have to reimburse me. $200,000. No. So actually, all she's, she's like, I just want you to pay this money and I will leave you alone. I'll never bother you. I won't tell the kids I found you. I will just leave you alone. And he's like, well, I don't have that kind of money. I don't have any money. And so she's like, okay. And she leaves. So she goes back home um, to where she lives and calls the boys to come over for dinner. And she tells them about what's been happening. She tells them about the letter and how she found their father, who is like one hundo alive and definitely not dead. Um, Ted gets mad and leaves. He's like really upset. Um, He's really upset that she didn't tell him first. And she's like, dude, I had to figure out if that was real. But I understand like uh, wanting to know something that life changed. You know, I get it. Right. And Chris was like, look, mom, you know, I hardly remember dad. But for Ted, it's different. And um, Peachy says, she can have the DA, the district attorney file charges against him, like to pay back the money if they're comfortable with it. And Chris is like, I don't care. So Peachy goes and talks to Ted at his job and Ted like yells at her. And he's like, so upset about the situation. And I get like, I can't even imagine finding out something like that. And he's not mad at his mom. He's just mad at the situation. But finally she's like, look, I can She's like, I can have the district attorney go after him, you know, whatever. And he just looks at her and he's like, nail him. Which I loved. Yes. <laughs> um, so Pat gets arrested and I'd feel bad for him, but I just don't at all. Not even a little. He sees his Neither grown children. Hold on. What? I said, neither does Winston. Oh, yeah. You said I don't feel bad for him at all. And Winston just like went crazy right outside my window. (laughs) So Pat sees his grown children for the first time in a courtroom. Oh, my gosh. This fucker has the audacity to plead not guilty, first of all. Then his defense lawyer has the audacity to say he's the pillar of a community great um and the judge is not buying any of it and they said his bond at three hundred thousand dollars so poor pat has to stay in jail (laughs) oh no when peachy and ted and chris get home they watched a story on the news um and peachy gets a call and it's pat's attorney pat has the audacity again to ask to see his children no So 
Peachy goes to see him first. And he's like, I just want to reestablish a relationship with them. It's the most important thing in my life. I miss their whole life through no fault of my own, except that part where I faked my own death. Like, super sorry about that. But uh missed the kids growing up. And now I like they're the most important thing to me. And um she tells him not to play with the kids' feelings. And she's like, did you ever even love me at all? And he just hangs up the phone. And I was like, okay, cool. So then the kids come in and I was really like interested to see what was going to happen. And so Ted comes in and he's like, why the hell did you leave? And then he starts screaming and he pulls out the suicide note that Pat left and starts reading it at like top volume in this visitation. Good. Um, and Pat keeps trying to cut him off saying, son, we were about to lose our whole life, our house and our car. And Ted just yells at him asking about how that was more important than their family. And then he's like, you have no right to call me son. And he leaves. Um, Chris just takes a suicide note and he leaves with his brother. So the next day in court, Pat changes his plea to no contest and they find him guilty. The boys make Peachy a special breakfast for her birthday, but Ted and Chris get into a fight because Chris doesn't want to write a victim impact statement. At the sentencing hearing, Pat addresses them talking about how much he loves them and has missed them. Um, At first, Chris isn't there, but he comes in in the middle of the hearing and yay. And he apologizes to, Oh, so um, Pat apologizes to Ted and Chris and he's like, tells PG he's so sorry. Um, And he didn't do anything out of hate. Not every crime is committed out of hate. Sometimes it's committed out of just pure fucking narcissism. And um, so they're about to move forward. um, And Chris is like, I want to say something too. And so the judge lets him get up and say something. And Chris stands up and he says, everyone keeps asking him why his father did this. But to him, that's not the most important question. The most important question is how. How can a father turn his back on a family that loves him? How can he turn and run? How could he not call once in 10 years? He talks about how wonderful what a wonderful mother he has and how everything they've accomplished in their life is because of her and how lucky him and his brother are to have her. The judge thanks him and asks him to have a seat. He calls Pat and he calls Pat amoral and calls him a coward and a criminal. He sentences him to four years in prison and orders full restitution to social security. So bye asshole. The family goes out for lunch and they talk about how they may never know how all the pieces come together, but it's finally over and they toast to their family. And then we cut to a recording of Chris at his graduation from college. Peachy talks about how proud she is of the boys and how she needs them to watch the house because she's going on a little trip with Bill to New Mexico. Yay. Um, They take a family photo. The end. And this is the part that just pissed me off quote after serving eight months of his sentence patrick welsh because they counted what's released 
Elizabeth remains the president of the local chamber of commerce. She continues her close relationship with her sons. Yep. I hate this guy. Yep. He's the worst. He's the worst. All right. Well, at the top, my sources are um, a an article in Texas Monthly called The Hero Had Two Faces by Paul Burke. Yes! Um, Dad's Double Life from CBS News and an article by Pauline Ariaga from the LA mm-hmm. Times and I totally nailed that pronunciation because I was not prepared for it. Um, man, it's funny when I was for 15 years. Oh, go ahead. It's funny because when we were when I was working on my notes or getting ready to watch the movie, I looked it up just to make sure it was real because I was like, I cannot do another not real case. <laughs> right. And like I, I Googled it and the first thing that popped up was the Texas Monthly article and I was like, ooh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember if I mentioned in my notes, but this guy actually wrote for Texas Monthly briefly. He did some entertainment columns for the Texas Monthly the like the yeah the douchebag um, so this thing from la times man dead for 15 years resurfaces a civic leader so um for much of the 20th oh century my God, can we not Rob's call him a civic leader can we call him a f- fraud yes thank you for much of the 20th century galveston spent its time beaten and battered by storms In 1900, it was ravaged by the Great Galveston Hurricane, what is still the deadliest natural disaster in the United States history. After that, it took Galveston a long time to rebuild, and every time they were able to get their footing, another storm would come and they'd have to start over. Things Mm -hmm. were finally calming down in the 80s, which in turn became a time of immense growth for Galveston. People moved in and popped up regularly, and things began changing quickly. Um, and that's just to kind of set the scene um, that, <coughs> excuse me, that then um, Paul Burka takes over in Texas Monthly, which this is a direct quote from Texas Monthly, quote, the Strand Historic District was thriving. Houstonians were sprucing up old Victorians and an upstart tablet called In Between was writing about the Moody's, the new art scene, the gossip and all the other things that never appeared in the Galveston Daily News. The crowd of artists, writers, and town characters who gathered every afternoon to drink beer outdoors in front of the old Strand Emporium called Galveston called Galveston the cul-de-sac of Interstate 45, and they referred to themselves as IBC, an acronym for Islander by Choice, as contrasted with BOI, or Born on the Island, Galveston's invisible passport to acceptance and privilege. If you are BOI, you can get medicine without a prescription or cash a check from an out-of-town bank with no questions asked or get a crucial document from the courthouse after working hours. I know because I am BOI. And all of this is from the Texas Monthly. He continues, uh, and I have done all of the above, even though I return only a few weekends a year. If you are not BOI, no one in Galveston cares what you were before you came there which was just perfect for Pat Welsh, or as he started to call himself soon after he arrived, Tim Kingsbury. 
So in the spring of I hate him. <laughs> yep. You in know, I have a thing with like fraud cases and I, oh my God. Okay. Uh-huh. In the spring of 1983, Pat Welsh arrived in Galveston thinking the thing that everybody has thought at some point in their life. What if I just burned it all down and started over? Which like we have all thought that at some point, but very few of us like oh, act totally. on it. Well, here's the thing. I have that thought on the regular, like not seriously, but you know, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm just going to move somewhere and start over. But I can't imagine. And to me, like, I feel like in order to do this, especially the faking your own, maybe not leaving every, I don't know, but I feel like you have to have a certain amount of narcissism in order to be able to really do this because I can't imagine leaving my family, my friends, everyone I know, everyone I've ever met in this position where nobody knows what happened to me. Oh, 100%. Like I'm right there with you. Or even putting it like going a step further and putting them through the freaking grief of thinking that I died. My own, like, I can't imagine this right. guy put it, his children through the grief of thinking he was dead. What is wrong with, oh, oh yeah. I hate him. Sorry. You're fine. Um, so moving to Galveston, he changed his name from Pat Welsh to Tim Kingsbury and established a new life for himself. He became the t- a town. He became the town's indispensable citizen, a volunteer for every good cause, a friend and confidant of its leading citizens. He went from writing press releases for the Galveston Historical Foundation to being elected its president from freelancing occasionally to for the in-between, which was the town tabloid, to playing tennis regularly with the publisher of the Daily News. Organizations from the Boy Scouts to the Women's Crisis Center sought him to sit on their boards. He managed the campaign for a successful mayoral candidate. He became the general manager of the town's only radio station. For a time, he was the local restaurant reviewer for Texas Monthly. The goings- I, I have so I have so many questions about this. Okay. And it's because he chose Texas. Okay. First of all, why Galveston? Like Galveston it's not a nice place. No. Um and second of all, Texans notoriously are known for being wary of outsiders. And it's so interesting to me that he managed to infiltrate his way into a smaller Texas town and establish himself as like an authority figure there because that's not a thing. Right. Well, And I've lived here my whole life. That's That's like, there is a good old boys of Texas thing for a reason. Oh yeah. Well, and that's what the, um, the author of this article was saying that it was, it was a good time for him to have moved to Galveston because Galveston was experiencing a lot of growth right then. So it was a great time to fit in, but the fact that he moved there and then chose to stand out is what was so unique. Like that is so like, especially in Texas, do you know how hard it is to win like the trust of your neighbors, especially if you're from out of state even? 
Oh yeah. Forget now it. that I've lived in now that I've lived in Louisiana for 14 years, yeah, I, people don't even consider you Texan anymore. Right. I mean, I do, but I yeah. Right. People are like, "You're out. You're out." Like, we're right. very weird here. We're very. We have a lot of Texas pride. One of my favorite TikToks that I've seen recently is what isn't a cult but feels like a cult, and the woman's response Texas. is just Texas. And I'm like, "Yes, mm-hmm. yes." My other favorite um, one of that one is uh, Dave Ramsey. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um. So the the columnist for the daily news who wrote about like the entertainment things that were going on around Galveston often referred to him as the amazing Tim Kingsbury. And it was hard to know which was more amazing his compilation of good deeds or the fact that in Galveston, this outsider had become an insider Within 15 years, he had gone from being IBC to being treated as BOI. But his story was about to become even more incredible. So on January 30th, 1998, while he was in his driveway working on his car, two sheriff's deputies walked up to Tim Kingsbury and announced they had a warrant from Ohio for the rest of Patrick Hennessy Welch. In the days that followed, the mask was stripped from Tim Kingsbury to reveal the past that he had labored so long to conceal. The privileged childhood, the failed ambition to follow his father into medicine, the embezzlement, the wife and the two sons he'd left behind, the two suicide letters he'd mailed to his wife after he vanished one winter night, her struggle to overcome the financial and emotional ruin he left behind, the declaration that he was legally dead, which allowed her to qualify for life insurance and social security death benefits. The revelation that his secret identity along with forged documents had been discovered by Galveston law enforcement officials in 1996, their decision to let him quietly plead guilty, accept probation and go on being Tim Kingsbury. The discovery by which is another thing that baffles me. Uh Uh-huh the discovery by Elizabeth Welsh that her husband was still alive and how she tracked him down at last. Cause she's a boss bitch. Absolutely. So Patrick Welsh disappeared on January 21st, 1983. And as Elizabeth Welsh recalls, it was just a normal day that morning. He kissed his wife. Goodbye. Said goodbye to his 10 year old Ted and, and to his sons 10 year old ted and eight year old chris and headed to work at the public relations department of lancaster fairfield community hospital and he never showed up for dinner i just i could do a lot of fucked up things and i could probably leave a lot of people excuse me a lot of people in my life my child is not one of those people absolutely not I could never walk away from my life and never talk to my child again. I don't understand that. I don't either. And like, I mean, you know, there has only been a small person depending on my existence for five months and I Mm -hmm. could not walk away. Like I cannot imagine the bond of an eight year old or a 10 year old or a 15 year old, you know, like. That's what I'm saying. That bond that it's so and, and I, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe it's different for a mom, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. That's just, I mean, it's it probably different from a, 
it just shows the depth the depth of narcissism in this guy um, and and then to like look at your wife later and of course this was in the movie but I, I you know i don't put it pat to be like oh that was the best thing for you guys right that was the best thing for your kids was to think that you died right right Ugh, someone's therapist now owns a designer handbag because you did what was best for your kids look those poor kids <laughs> Therapists probably own a lot more than a designer handbag. <laughs> um, so days later, a letter arrived um, and Pat Welsh wrote that he planned to kill himself and hadn't wanted his wife to find his body at home. Quote, he said he just couldn't face life knowing he had ruined so many people's lives. She says um, he said he would look down on the boys from heaven. So like that is so manipulative like first of all that is some self-serving nonsense and second of all oh i i can't i can't live with or i can't fathom the fact of you finding my body so instead i'm just gonna not kill myself and go somewhere else and live but i'll watch you from heaven That is so manipulative. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. Don't do this. Bad. Elizabeth Welsh believed he was despondent over his 1980 conviction for embezzling $23,000 from Ohio State University, where he worked as a fundraiser. He still owed thousands in restitution when he disappeared. After several weeks, a second letter came. Welsh told his wife he'd finally found the courage, quote, to kill the devil that was living in me. <laughs> the actor. Dude, you're not a martyr. You're not a martyr. You're a sociopath. So she divorced him later that year. And in 1988, Good. she had him legally declared dead, which entitled her sons to $100,000 in social security and life insurance benefits. As the Which Welsh I think family- is interesting because typically back in that time, there was a suicide clause in life insurance policies. Right. There's not anymore. It's been taken out, but there used to be. I didn't know that it had been taken out. That's interesting. Yeah, I think with the, um, and I, I don't think it's taken out of all of them. But for the most part, it's not as common. I think with the um, acceptance of like suicide is like a symptom of mental illness i'd say the better understanding of mental health and mental health issues yeah i think that you know a lot of people have taken that out Mm -hmm. that's that's actually really good progress um so as the welsh families figured out how to get on with as the welsh family figured out how to get on with their lives patrick welsh built himself a new one but in February of 1996, which was two years before the officers arrived to arrest him from Ohio, his employers at the radio station found out Kingsbury was using what appeared to be forged documents. You see, an unnamed, disgruntled employee ransacked his desk at work one day. The employee hit the jackpot when he found an envelope containing forged Wisconsin birth certificates blank security cards, and a piece of linoleum carved into a seal for Dane County, Wisconsin. 
why do you keep this shit in your work desk? Question? Yes. How on earth does someone know a birth certificate is forged? If I like um, open a birth certificate and I, like it was forged, I would have not a goddamn clue. So here's how they figured out it was forged. Mm-hmm. So the district attorney was notified, especially they knew. So they knew that there was something up with the blank social security cards and the yeah, like, okay, yeah. seal. And then they also found press on letters that you could like that he used to transfer um, through a process onto the social security card so that they looked like a letterpress instead of, um, you know, so they looked like a typewriter. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry, my hair looks the, so good right now. It does. So the district attorney <laughs> was notified, the station was searched, and the fake documents were confiscated. Um, and so one of the ways he got caught was even in creating his new identity, he could not let go of his path, past. Which is how everyone gets caught. Uh-huh. So on his phony birth certificate, he gave his mother's real maiden name and the county official who signed, quote, signed the birth certificate was Richard A. Welsh. His father's actual name. That is crazy. What's so funny is, like, in that book, Playing Dead, um, they talk about how most of the time people get caught by not being able to let go of something from their past. And technically, it's not a crime to disappear. It is is a crime to, to forge documents to forge document like that's the thing like it's not a crime to disappear and the the way people end up in jail is by forging documents and you know scamming the system and usually they get arrested for the dumbest shit like having a taillight out or something and that's how they get caught but then the, the right. whole string unravels because they can't let go of like one thing from their past right um and so, um, when all this came to light, um, he confessed. And so, on the day of the ransacking, before the district attorney got called or anything, he did the same thing he'd done back in Lancaster whenever he was first caught embezzling. He called a family meeting. So, he called in his girlfriend and the people who were closest to him at the time which was like the person he worked for at the radio station and his wife, um, and told them the truth. And so, yes, that's not a family. I know, but he called it a family meeting. Okay. I'm just saying, listen, it was a Manson also had a family meeting and I don't hear you questioning him. Oh, I did. You can go. There's a whole episode <laughs> about it. So anyway, um, After the court case was over, many people knew his real name from the judge to the clerks in the courthouse, and they all kept the secret of his identity. And so it would be more than a year before the truth came out. And then even then it didn't come out in Galveston, but in Ohio. I don't understand this because especially, again, I'm going to go back to Texas. When we expose you as a fraud, we take that shit personally. Yeah. I can't believe this is wild. So 
he had forged official documents, which was a felony, sure. But he did not go through the normal booking, fingerprinting, or like photo- like um, like mugshot process. Nor was the crime reported to the Daily News. Before the case went to court, an Ohio lawyer arranged for Patrick Welsh to pay the $10,000 balance that he still owed for his embezzlement in return for all charges against him to be dismissed. Um, that a dead man was making restitution and getting charges dropped should have raised some eyebrows, but it didn't. Nah. Nah. Because the embezzlement had taken place in Columbus, but the declaration of death had occurred in Lancaster. And by that point, Elizabeth Welsh had moved to Newark to take a better job. So, especially with this not being the time of the widespread internet, there weren't yeah. like alerts going off. Okay, but also like Ohio's not that big. I told y'all the other day in the group chat, I'm still not even convinced Ohio's a real place. I thought it was just a sound set soundstage for Drew Carey. I mean, I agree. And I'm gonna go back to the text as well. Like, if we can figure <laughs> shit out down here, y'all need to figure your shit out up there. Cause right? Texas is much bigger than every other state. Suck it. Except for Alaska. Um, so back in Galveston, Patrick Welsh was allowed to plead guilty, pay a fine, receive probation, and go on being Tim Kingsbury in public, although he was required to use his real name on all government and financial records. Why? So because he had to surrender all of his fake documents, he um, had to... And he had to contact Social Security and clear up any earnings discrepancy. And this is where things fell apart. So, like, he even, he did all of that. He even obtained a Texas driver's license under his real name. Um, But even though his driver's license said Pat Welsh, like, the whole Galveston knew of Tim Kingsbury and nobody, like, not a single person leaked this information about him. Because he was good time Timmy or something. Like. But you know who's going to leak your information? Because when you owe them money, they want their fucking money. It's the government. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so. Most people never knew the truth until Elizabeth Welsh pressed charges. That is insane. <laughs> I know. So, for a long time, she didn't think he was actually dead, despite the suicide letters. Um, after phoning her, her throughout the day, yeah, after phoning her throughout the day of his disappearance, he'd been a no-show at his father's house for dinner that night. At midnight, she went out to search the icy roads for an accident, and then the first letter came, and it said, "I'm doing the best thing for you." That's a direct quote from the letter. It was postmarked. Have I mentioned that I hate this guy? You hadn't. Would I you like a chance to? Yes. I truly don't understand people who think they know better about other people. You know, like, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. Right. 
Um, it's just like did you- I I was in a relationship and like after our breakup, the guy like reached out and was like, "Well, you always knew that you deserve better," and I'm like, "That doesn't matter." I think each party in a relationship can think the other one deserves better, but what about what I want? Nobody gets right. to take, like, fuck you. Ugh. Did you ever listen to the Kid Craddock morning show? Oh, totally. Oh, RIP Kid Craddock. I love yes. that guy. One day, I don't even remember what was happening, but Big Al just got real flustered at somebody. He said, how are you going to tell me what's best for me? Exactly. <laughs> like, I am channeling that today. So um, I don't get it. Like, who the fuck do you think you are to tell me what's best for me? No, I know what's best for me. I know what I want. I'm not stupid. Ugh, hate everyone. So this letter, um, this case was fucked post- a nerve. Yeah. So this letter was postmarked. A live one, Lancaster. I was just, every time I opened my mouth, you had one more thing to add. So I was just letting you get it all out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm just going to drink my wine now. <laughs> I was like, it didn't bother me. I was just going to let you get it all out. So um, this letter was postmarked from Lancaster on the day he disappeared. And it arrived four days later. Then a second one was postmarked from San Francisco. And it followed three weeks later. Um, quote, he said that he would look down on the boys and me from heaven to watch over us. She said, quote, unless he killed the devil within him, he would corrupt everyone around him. And he couldn't do that to us. He loved above those he loved above himself, but there were clues to suggest that the suicide was a false trail. An investigator found a track, found trash from a laminate your own ID card stuffed away in their garage <clears throat> Pat had sold his car and taken most of the proceeds with him. But like if, if the investigators idea is if you were truly about to complete suicide, why would you need the money from your car? Um, Oh, totally. Yeah. If as was more likely, he'd just run away in shame and despair, then he would be caught. The, um, Oh, the investigator said if what was more likely he'd just run away, then he would be caught. Um, but for 13 years, Pat's Christmas stocking continued to be displayed when the huge, like, Welsh clan gathered, including Elizabeth. His mother died of cancer. And, in fact, when his mom... What is that? I think it's a dog oh, outside. Think... So, when... Um, I'm when sorry. When his mom died of cancer... Um, Elizabeth spent half of the funeral looking around to see if Pat had come in disguise because that's how convinced he wasn't dead. She was. No. So she eventually, she lived for 15 years as a widow, despite her initial doubts of his death. At some point she'd resigned herself to the idea that he had made good on. And then I typed, Made good on hid duodide letters, so I was real good at typing right then. Yeah, you um, were. I just, but I mean, it was one of the clues that he sent. Who sends a letter in the mail? 
that's not a thing. What do you? I mean, I don't. I don't know who I am to like question how people die by suicide. But if you die by like, why would you send a letter in the mail and then send was, a, and then like drive to California and send another one in the mail before you then died by suicide? I couldn't figure out what you were asking. I was like, what did you think you're supposed to do? Like Western Union it or like a hire a barbershop quartet to like sing it to? Yes. You? Like I did. <laughs> Just release I several carrier pigeons. I'm doing what's best for you. Um, so, you know, 15 years passed and they, she had made a life for herself. She had become the Mm -hmm. chamber of commerce president. Um, Mm -hmm. and she had worked her, you know, worked her way up the ladder. They had lost basically everything and she had to start all over. Um, she had not even completed like i think she dropped out after her first year of college and so to make it up to this pretty big job in the chamber like it was a pretty big deal um yeah so then she receives this letter from social security administration demanding that she repay the survivor benefits awarded to her two sons after patrick welsh's disappearance um can you imagine Right, because especially starting with the be, reason, I would be out for blood. And even before I realized that it was my ex husband that hadn't actually died, I would be at the social security's door, and that poor customer service representative, I'd be firing on all cylinders. It'd be a bad day for them, a really bad day. Right. They probably still out. <laughs> right. Well, especially because like. It was just a check mark in a box that said number holder not deceased. Like that's that's when it's like, who sends a letter? Like send a person to tell me this news. Somebody I can punch after you tell me this. Call me. Just like give me give me a quick call. No worries. So she initially feared that someone was using her dead husband's social security number. Um, and so she decided all she had to do was find out who and she'd be off the hook. But when she tried to get more information, the Social Security official uh, administration officials in Newark said they could tell her nothing. They were silenced by the Privacy Act of 1974, which apparently protects the guilty and torments the innocent, is what this one article said. And I was like, fair. Um, So I would love to show up at an office one day asking about something like this and have some dumb dumb motherfucker tell me that they can't tell me anything. Right. Well, so um, she she went full on Karen. I don't know how she did this, but um, she got her congressman involved. And so John, John Kasich, who was the House Budget Committee chairman, um, he got ran involved. for president. Really? John Kasich? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So the but the um John Kasich Kasich was even stonewalled by the SSA. Um, but his office was able to pry two facts out of the uh like out of the administration. Yeah. One that the he is sorry, gonna interrupt Go you with some some facts facts. 
Scouts. About um, the Girl Scouts? No, he is a Republican who unsuccessfully sought his party's nomination in the year 2000 as well as 2016. Really? And instead, they nominated Brump. Orange um so anyway they found out one that the card holder was in south was in the southwest perhaps texas and that he had committed some sort of crime um and then Kasich's senior aide said to elizabeth over the phone are you sitting down we think this might be pat so Elizabeth told a few of her friends about her dilemma and one said, well, why don't you look up the driver's license database on the internet? Um, so now that she kind of had it narrowed down to a state to check out, she typed in basically like driver's license information, Texas. And mm-hmm. sure enough, there was a company that had that information and she just had to like pay some money. So mm-hmm. she called the number and she gave her information she said, quote, my heart was beating so hard I could see my blouse move. I told the person who answered I wanted just one name. He must have sensed my desperation. I gave him Pat's social security number and it took two seconds. Patrick H. Walsh, Welsh, he said, five feet, nine inches, 150 pounds, green eyes, brown hair, must wear glasses to drive, 6828 Driftwood Lane, Galveston, Texas. It was Pat. And then, yeah, she calls the guy and she's like, I just want one name. And he gives her the name and she's like, I'll kill him. I'll kill him myself. (laughs) She hangs up. (laughs) So she sent Tim Kingsbury an email and it just said, I know, call me to discuss this matter. And then she signed it Peachy, which was her nickname since childhood because they were high school sweethearts. And then when he asshole when he didn't call her back within her time frame because she's a badass bitch she picked up the phone and called him at work and said so he said quote i knew this day would probably come i just never knew it would be you who would find me who the hell did you think it would be and she said you must do three things Contact the SSA <laughs> and your former insurance agent about repayment and come clean in Galveston about who you are. It's unfair for you to take another community down with you. She has a point. He, I just imagine that, her being like, I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> right? Right? Well, and then she said that this was a test that she was giving him. And that she was going to basically, if he agreed to these things, that she mm-hmm. was going to let him off like scot free. Um, yeah. And instead, he said, "I can't do that." So he flunked. <laughs> She's like, so, "Oh, fail!" Click. <laughs> so through a lawyer, he opened negotiations for repayment. But the one thing that she really wanted, some sign that he was ready to face it to the past, was non-existent. He hadn't even asked about his children or his family. Quote, he didn't kill himself. His younger son, now 23, told his mother, he killed all of us. Oh, baby. So 
In January, she decided to file felony charges against him for criminal abandonment. Quote, Mm -hmm. I couldn't say to my boys, it was okay what he did. I didn't want them to think men could just run away. She says that... Good for her. Yeah. So she says that what really made her decide to press charges of non-support and abandonment is that she read that he sat on the board of um, directors for a women's crisis center. She said, Mm -hmm. that was my line in the sand because he had abandoned his own children. God, he's the worst. He's so awful. The worst. So he was arrested on January 30th and extradited to Ohio where he was jailed in lieu of 300,000 and sorry, where he was jailed in lieu of a $300,000 bond on the non-support charges and two counts of fraud. He faced 19 years in prison and thousands of dollars in fines and could be forced to reimburse the money paid to his sons. Tim Welsh, one of Welsh's 10 brothers and sisters said the family was just ready to welcome him home because we're just darn glad he's not dead. So, which, look, here's the very small, very small, tiny, tiddly bit I can give you. He pleaded no contest to the charges of non-support and insurance fraud in real life. So, at least he didn't plead not guilty like in the movie. Um, Well, in the movie, he originally pleaded not guilty and then changed. Okay. Yeah. So he was found guilty on all 12 counts. He was sentenced to a whopping four years in prison. Um, He claimed that he was sorry, but he never made any attempt to contact his wife or his sons. Um, Yeah, he doesn't seem sorry, so... Right. He was released from prison after spending only a year behind bars. I'm pretty sure it was eight months because they counted the four months that he was in jail before his hearing. Um, Yeah. I think that's, yeah, because in the movie they said eight months, so I'm assuming it's because he was in jail for that four months. Right. Um, So he, at the time of this last article I was reading, he was on probation living with his girlfriend back in Galveston and he was, um, they said Welsh has a job at a public relations firm, but is still very much in debt. Okay, first of all, I, I want to speak directly to his girlfriend. Tina, are you listening? Run. Run. Run away. What are you... What? <laughs> what? That takes, like, if he'll cheat with you, he'll cheat on you to, like, level a million. If he'll he'll play dead with you, he'll play dead on you? (laughs) (laughs) Who on earth would be like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend faked his own death, left his wife and children, but we're, like, really happy, so. (laughs) We're planning a summer wedding. I'm going to carry sunflowers and baby's breath. And only sunflowers. I'm sorry, that was, like, a 
visceral reaction. Um, <laughs> My bridesmaids are wearing navy denim dresses that button all the way down the front. And they're wearing strappy brown sandals. And it's going to be classy. God, I had a navy denim dress that buttoned all the way down the front when I was in the seventh grade. <laughs> I was trying to channel 1993. And I think I did you a got pretty it. good job. <laughs> yeah, you did. It, I mean, for me, it was 1995. But yeah. Um, ugh, I hate this guy. Like, Ugh. And he just like lives in Texas now. We don't claim. Just, we don't like, talk about in him. Texas? Can is there somebody I can write about that? Right. I already Cruz. have a thing going. No, 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 no. I already have a thing going to get Ted Cruz out of Texas. I, I want to get Ted Cruz out of Texas. Uh I don't want to write to him to I, I feel like they'd be friends and I'm not okay with that. Maybe they can leave together. Leaving on a jet plane, we're both fucking insane. I hear Mar-a-Lago is really nice this time of year. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> um well, let's end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Um with our redesigned website, Aaron. Our merch shop is redesigned and is getting facelifts every day. And so it is actually hosted just directly on our site. You can find it at lifetimesentence.com slash shop. Um, And it is beautiful. And like I said, we're adding things. We have added my, our newest um, merch is my personal artwork that I created. That is the future is female shirt. And it is. Uh, Michelle Obama and Dr. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Amanda Gorman from Inauguration Day. And I love it so much. Um, I do too. And I want you to send me a free one. That's why I haven't bought one. (laughs) Well, we'll see about getting a free one because I don't know how all that works yet. But we're working things out. And um, I am super stoked about that. And also because... Um, I was extra in redesigning everything. We have um, a new way to contact us. So in the future, if you'd like to send us an email, you can just send that thing to podcast at lifetimesentence.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to our website and ask us about fake IDs. <laughs> yes, there is a the contact form on our website is super updated and apparently super easy to get to because everyone is contacting it. So like I said, I'm gonna have to edit that. But um And by everyone we mean bots. Not only any bots. of you. Yeah, only bots. <laughs> um so you win some, you lose some. But um yeah. I was super excited about our new like I feel like I just feel like we're kind of stepping into this professional world that I've been trying yeah. to get into. Um and so I hope that y'all will all visit the site that you will, if you see some merch, grab it because um, it helps us out. Um, Mm -hmm. And we hope that you will please rate, review, and subscribe um, and share us with your friends. We have some new merch things coming that are like show-related merch things. We're working on them. Um, I am finishing up a new design. 
Yeah, and I really – and this is probably my fault because with the new rollout of merch, I really wanted to take a different approach and make it more like – oh, I'm wearing this t-shirt and if you don't know the podcast, you won't get it, but it's still like a really cute shirt or shorts or socks or mask or whatever. Yes. Right. So, Spoiler alert. Socks. We, as we said at the beginning of the year, we do have a lot of things that we're working on mm-hmm. and it's nice to see yeah. them coming to fruition. Um, and I kind of have my hands on a lot of pies. So as things are coming together, yeah. it is so nice to see them actually coming together. Yeah. I just want to create merch that isn't like, oh, that's very easily identifiable as podcast merch. I want it to be like, oh, that's a cool shirt. And then you can tell people the story. Right. Um, which is yeah. kind of what I have gotten with our Weaponize Your Privilege shirts. I yeah. And that was like kind of a jumping off point for that. And I'm like, okay, we need to find more stuff like that. That is things that are things you can talk about and not just like, oh, Lifetime Sentence Podcast t-shirt, you know, whatever. Right. Um, which is why... Next week, we'll be releasing a um, shirt with just my face on it, zoomed in all the way. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Everyone's going to want one. Um, Except me. Erin already has one. That's why she doesn't want another one because <laughs> two is too many and zero is not enough. Uh, so my next shirt design is going to be like, I'm wearing this shirt for Juniper's vet bills. <laughs> we'll put that in the, on the website next week. And it's just going to be like yeah. Comic Sans. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> P- papyrus font. P- papyrus. <laughs> papyrus font. Oh, God. Hmm. Well, Aaron, we thank you for joining me tonight. Can you tell everybody where they can find us? Please. Of course I can. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can email us at podcast at Lifetime Yeah. That was a new one. You thought you were going to get me, but you didn't. And please go donate and join our patreon where we do all of your extra extra shows extra um early merch drop extra extra all kinds of stuff at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence um and join us on tiktok where we do two tuesdays and other things Mm -hmm. that's um where lifetime sentence on tiktok um yeah and i'm gonna make paul the official tiktok spokesperson because his videos get lots of views and mine only get a few and it really fucks with my self-esteem so well listen as we have established i run things here you can check Mm -hmm. sammy saga to you know for confirmation there so um but also (laughs) go listen to paul and his guest spot on Sammy Saga. I'm sure it's a great time. I'm going to download it tomorrow and listen to it. 
Yes, it was really a lot of fun. And I think I think Sammy would enjoy having a huge bump in listeners, at least for one episode, because I cannot I cannot imagine being 18 and starting a podcast like We know he's like, just a sweet baby muffin. I know. And we started this whenever we were both 26 years old and we had no clue what we were doing. So like at um, 18 to oh, just, you know, I'm 22. I have a fake oh, idea. <laughs> In any case, y'all don't forget to charge your foes. No, eat your vegetables. Aaron has to tell you the other and one. Also charge your phone, <laughs> but also charge your phones. Apparently I, very concerned and about your phone your health right now. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.